What is going on, New York Giants fans? Welcome back to another video. If you guys haven't already, please, if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, please follow the podcast. Only 44% of you guys are subscribed on YouTube, so please subscribe, help the algorithm, help the channel, and you'll get great content and more people to engage with in return. Good return. So we got the Rams this week, and let me start off by saying one thing. This isn't a hot take, this ain't ESPN or CBS Sports, but I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That's my personal thought. I think this team is that good. Their defense is a little shaky, but if Darius Williams does come back from IR, I think they can improve. Their safeties aren't that good. But their offense is very explosive, very explosive. A lot of the people, in terms of coaches, you know, they they talk about Robert Woods. They talk about Cooper Cup. Deshaun Jackson's been pretty explosive this year. He's been pretty explosive on that deep ball. And this is an interesting matchup for the Giants. A lot of things happening this weekend. Um, we found out on Friday that Daniel Jones is going to play. And before I get to the injury report, I want to discuss a couple of things. I know on the screen it says injury report, then should DJ play? And let me go out and talk about the situation a little bit. So I flip-flopped a little bit during the week on Twitter. I said, I don't know if DJ should play because they got some good edge guys. I don't know if Andrew Thomas is going to play. Nate Solder may be on the left side again. I'm going to say let DJ play because even though this defense is bad and we're already one and four to start the year, you know, we need to see more out of him or the coaches need to see more out of him and why not play him? Don't give the attitude out there and Joe judge would lose the locker room. If he sat Daniel Jones is like, eh, you know what? Screw Daniel Jones just because Andrew Thomas is out or he may not play. We're going to go out there and we're going to rest Daniel Jones to start Mike Lennon. That would not be a good strategy. He would lose the locker room. I do get fans' frustration, though, because they don't want to see their quarterback fumble. They don't want to see their quarterback get hit 10 times a game. And honestly, that part you can blame on the coaching staff and this whole organization, but the coaching staff especially, because... We saw what Matt Parrott did in his first full game last week at right tackle. Now, you could say, oh, well, um, Andrew Thomas was out last week. That's why he played the full game. That's a point to make. However, this guy didn't play week two, week three, week four. And he was pretty much almost locked down at right tackle and pass protection. Nate Solder wasn't. He gave up eight pressures. They didn't get to him in terms of sacks. They didn't get to Jones or Glennon. But Nate Solder was terrible last week. He's been terrible this season. And I don't understand how the coaches can sit there and tell me that Nate Solder is the better tackle. Screw the rotational crap. It's time to start Matt Parrott. And listen, I don't hate on anybody as the millennials will call it. But let's be real here. Fans... They go out, or at least real fans, they go out and root their ass off for anybody who plays for the New York Giants. Evan Ingram, 
who's lost me, I root for him to do well on the field. I'm not going to say, oh, fumble a football so I can be right. I'm not going to say that. I root for Nate Solder. I root for the other guys on the team that I don't think should be here. I'm not a person who wants to be right in that aspect. However, they should really consider starting Matt Parrott the rest of the season. And I understand. I'm not a GM. I'm not a coach, whatever. But it's bad. It's bad. You know, if it would be one thing if it was just Aaron Donald this week, but they have Terrell Lewis, they have Leonard Floyd, they have Sebastian Joseph Day. Now, once again, they are not the greatest defense in the NFL. They're about mid-tier to early 20s. However, I believe they have 14 sacks on the year. We'll get to that. But just stating a point, they need to see that Nate Solder's bad. And once again, I get the fans' frustration, but play Daniel Jones. He was cleared. Now, let's see the results. So in terms of the injury report, nothing for L.A., Aaron Donald was limited on Thursday, and then everyone else pretty much practicing, doing whatever. So, one player that I'll mention, because I didn't see the practice squad protections, nobody posted them or anything for the Rams. However, they are likely to bring up from the practice squad, they're going to elevate former Giants cornerback Dante Dion. So, that could be for corner depth. They right now have Ramsey... Robert Rochelle and David Long as the corners, so that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think Dion's going to play a shit ton of snaps, but if a corner gets hurt, they're going to put him in there and he'll play. So, Andrew Thomas, he's questionable. Kadarius Tony is questionable. He's going to play, though, in my opinion. Neil Jones, obviously cleared. He's going to play. Um, Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley, they're out. Justin Hilliard was put on injured reserve with an ankle injury, I believe. Cam Brown is expected to be put back on the roster, you know, coming off IR. I don't know what they did with the Darius Williams thing, though. I forget what move they made, but it's off my head at this moment. But in terms of the practice squad protections... Brian LeWork, David Moa, Dante Pettis, and Corey Cunningham. And I'm going to explain something in just one minute. It was something I was confused about last week. But also, Jabril Peppers is going to play Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Ben Bradison is questionable with the hand injury. Which, I mean, at this point, you might as well just play Skur the rest of the way out. He's probably been the best left guard you've had since Lemieux Week 1. And I know that was a limited basis that you guys saw him on. But... Something I didn't get last week is how the Giants made Andrew Thomas active. He didn't play on special team snaps. He didn't play on any snaps at all. You have Corey Cunningham. You evaluate, You elevated him. I don't understand why Andrew Thomas was active last week. That was pretty much a clickbait type of thing. But coaches have reasons of doing things. But coaches have reasons for doing things. That's what I'm going to say about that. All right, so let's move into the positional matchups. Yes, this one is heavily favored towards the Rams, but the way I do it every week is I do a position on paper and the actual production on the field, which matters the most. So L.A. gets both in terms of the quarterback position. Matt Stafford, better than Daniel Jones to start the year, 
better than Daniel Jones even coming into this year. I'll admit that. And he's had a pretty good year in L.A. He's had a pretty good year. He's missed some deep throws, missed some throws overall. But their passing offense is among one of the best in the league. So you can't complain about that. If you're a Rams fan, the offense is pretty much carrying the team. The defense will do some things here and there. But the offense is the reason that the Rams are one of the best teams in the league. It's an offensive league, obviously. But in terms of the running back room, this was hard to decipher, in my opinion. Giants on paper, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker is a quality backup. And then you look at the Rams. They traded for Sony Michelle. Cam Akers out for the season with, I believe, a torn ACL. Raymond Calais, who they got from the Bucks last year, is on IR as well. Xavier Jones. They also have a couple other running backs. Daryl Henderson, who I like. So I'm going to have to go with the running back room. And both rushing attacks aren't good. The Giants are like 23rd. The Rams are like 22nd. But I'm going to have to go with Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson in terms of production. Saquon Barkley hasn't really hit 100 yards yet as a running back. And he's not going to for the next couple weeks because he's out. And Devontae Booker, meh, out of the backfield. They're not giving Gary Brightwell snaps, which is a little bit irritating. And they're giving Eli Penny snaps, which is weird because you normally don't run a fullback to the outside. Unless he's blocking. So, in terms of running backs, obviously, the Rams take it. The Rams will also take, in terms of production, they'll take the wide receiver position. But on paper, the Giants are better coming into the year as well. Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, and Sterling Shepard. It's been on and off the field for some of these guys. Kadarius Toney did not get involved properly you know, until these last two weeks. Kenny Galladay, he's going to miss a game. Wasn't properly involved for like the first two weeks, I would say. Darius Slayton obviously had a big drop and some key drops against Atlanta. And he's just been bad this year to start. And then Sterling Shepard missed a game. Missed two games, actually. Yeah, missed two games. So that's unfortunate about Sterling Shepard. I like him as a player, but he is very injury prone. I think we could say that. Over the past couple of years that we have had him as a player. In terms of wide receiver room, you know, not too many exciting pieces. Not like top in the league. But Cooper Cup has been putting up excellent numbers. Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, and then Deshaun Jackson, who I mentioned earlier, that a lot of teams sleep on. You know, they're talking about, oh, Robert Woods over the middle. Cooper Cup over the middle. Meanwhile, going deep on a post route is Deshaun Jackson. I believe he's had 30 yards per catch. And three touchdowns this year, or one touchdown. I think it's one touchdown, 30 yards per catch. So just by that, it tells you he's a big chunk play guy. We'll get into explosive plays a little later on. But the Rams' wide receiving core is doing better than the Giants. My opinion, and even the stats show it. In terms of tight end room, coming into the year, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, Evan Ingram. Their tight end room, they lost Gerald Everett. They still have Tyler Higby, and Higby's been better than most of the tight ends that we have in terms of production. Kyle Rudolph, he's been meh. Evan Ingram, not really getting involved. They're phasing him out. And Caden Smith was never involved to begin with. He's had like two, three catches this year. In terms of the O-line, I love their O-line. I love their O-line. 
I've been fascinated with the way that their own line has played the last couple of years. 2018, actually no, it was 2019, they didn't play so well. And it seemed like every two years their O-line was meh. But they got Andrew Whitworth, who the Giants should have grabbed in 2017 at left tackle. They got David Edwards, the Wisconsin man at left guard, who can also play center, by the way. They have Brian Allen at center, who spent a good time, I believe, on IR last year due to COVID. Right guard Austin Corbett, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. So they took him, put him at right guard, and the right tackle being Rob Havenstein. So they have a good O-line. They've only given up four sacks this year in five games. That is excellent. Honestly, you compare them to some of the O-lines in the league, they're top five. In terms of that production, now, obviously I would have to go back, watch some film in the run game and all that other stuff. But in terms of the passing game, that looks good. That looks good. And... A lot of edge rushers, especially you look at Arizona, they have J.J. Watt, and I know I kind of critiqued the Cardinals. Oh, you know, it's overrated that they got J.J. Watt. I know I critiqued them early, but their defense is up and coming, but they didn't let Chandler Jones get to Matt Stafford, who I believe is off to a good start. So the O-line definitely, in terms of talent and in terms of production, goes to the Rams. In terms of the D-line, Aaron Donald... Sebastian Joseph Day, many perceived to be a role player. Leonard Floyd, I believe, is categorized as a outside linebacker. I think Raheem Morris, that's a defensive coordinator. He ran a 3-4, I want to say, in Atlanta. Then he moved on to bigger and better things in L.A. But even if you just say, hey, the Giants are better and Leonard Floyd is not categorized as defensive end, you still got Aaron Donald and you still got Sebastian Joseph Day. So those two, and listen, it's disappointing once again that Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams are not being themselves. They're not producing like they did last year. So I don't know. I don't know. But D-line on both sides goes to the L.A. Rams. In terms of the linebackers, it's pretty interesting. They didn't have any standouts on paper to begin the season. And even the production from the linebackers has been so-so. In terms of the linebackers on paper, the Giants seem better because of Blake Martinez. But they lost Blake Martinez for the season. And with that being said, for the linebackers on the LA Rams, Troy Reader, I believe his name, he's got two picks this year. And Kenny Young also, I believe, has a pick, if I'm not mistaken. But those linebackers, even if you consider Leonard Floyd and Terrell Lewis, they're just better than what the Giants have at inside and outside linebacker. Next is the safety group. The Giants have not made plays, and the Rams have not made plays. (sighs) I want to change my mind maybe a little bit here, because Xavier McKinney has been okay in coverage. Taylor Rapp and Jordan Fuller really have not been. They're missing John Johnson, I believe, in the run game. In terms of safeties, on paper, I'll go with the Giants. Man, this is like pulling chicken teeth, if you will. So I'm going to go with slightly the Giants. That's not saying much, though. Logan Ryan's been okay. Um... McKinney, he hasn't been himself, but he's decent at covering, so that's the advantage I'll give the Giants. In terms of special teams, Graham Gano is a better kicker than Matt Gay. Johnny Hecker is a hell of a good punter, so that's where you could say, oh, well, the Rams are better than the Giants in that aspect. I just dropped my marker. 
So I might just say that the Rams are slightly better than the special teams aspect of things. So next we're going to go to stats like we do every week. So let's start out with the away team, also known as the LA Rams. In terms of offense, they rank ninth in total yards, 2nd in passing offense, 23rd in rushing offense, and 8th in points per game. The defense ranks 23rd in total yards, 23rd in passing defense, 19th in rushing defense, and 12th in points per game. You look at the New York Giants. In terms of offense, they rank 12th in total yards, 8th in passing offense, 24th in rushing offense, 23rd in points per game, so... It's quite obvious that the Giants cannot score points week after week after week, despite, oh, they have this many yards, and they have this many yards on the ground, this and the other thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can't score in the red zone. They've had one red zone touchdown, two red zone touchdowns this year, and I don't know how many you could say are based off penalties, what's not based off penalties, but this team needs to score and needs to find a way to score. I'm not going to say that the Rams' defense is the best in the league, but you have to take advantage. Their safeties can be easily taken advantage of. Other than Jalen Ramsey, who's been in the slot for a good portion of the year and the outside as well, take advantage of those two other corners, but that is something we'll talk about in a little bit. In terms of Giants' defense, though, 29th in total yards, 22nd in pass defense, 27th in run defense, and 26th in points per game. That is very bad compared to a year ago, especially at this time. And it's kind of weird because the Giants got blown out last game against the Cowboys. They got blown out against the 49ers before facing the Rams in L.A. And I obviously understand last year was in L.A. Now it's at MetLife Stadium. But it seems like a redemption week for the defense and maybe just the team overall. And they didn't win the game at SoFi last year. It was very competitive. But Daniel Jones threw the game-ending interception. But it just seems like a redemption week, uh, get-your-shit-together week, that sort of week. Because, obviously, the last two times we faced the Rams, including this time, were coming off of a blowout. And, if anyone remembers, 2017 was a total blowout, 51-17. to And then the year before that, Giants played the Rams in London, and they won. It's sad that their last official... Well, actually, to, rephr- to phrase that better a little bit, it is... Sad that their last win against the Rams wasn't even on American soil. That's my point of things. But before we go to things to look for and the players to watch, the New York Giants have 21 explosive plays. At least I define them as explosive. Those are plays over 20 yards. They have 21 explosive plays. The Rams have 22. And obviously, once again, that can be skewed. You've got to take into factor what happened last week as, you know, explosive plays in garbage time. What did the Rams do in garbage time against the Cardinals? There are a lot of things you got to take into context. But this is a very explosive offense. Let's just put it that way. So now things to look for and players to watch. All starts with the quarterback, the leader of the team, Matt Stafford. He's been excellent this year. And I've been rooting on him. Because a lot of teams, you know, a lot of media outlets are talking about, oh, the Chiefs and the the 49ers and the Packers. I'm looking at the Rams. I was looking at the Rams the whole time in the offseason. Once again, at the beginning of the show, I said that the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. And I certainly believe that to this day. 
But once again, my opinion can change. Stafford completing 68% of his passes, total of 12 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, only sacked 4 times. And he's thrown for 1,587 yards, 320.2 yards per game in terms of the pass. That's fucking good. That has to be among the top quarterbacks in the league in terms of that stat. Because we all know that the Giants and all these other teams can get 320 passing yards per game on the average. In terms of the receiving core, I'm not going to really go over the rushing core because it's one of the last in the league. But then again, the Giants can go out on Sunday and give up 200 yards to Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson. That can happen. It's not like it hasn't happened before. But in terms of the receiving core, which the Giants should mainly focus on, Cooper Cup this year, 37 receptions, 523 yards, and 5 touchdowns, 104.6 yards per game. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. He's produced 8 plays over 20 yards. Once again, excellent. 14.1 yards per catch. Robert Woods, 27 receptions, 322 yards. 11.9 yards per catch, 2 touchdowns, 5 explosive plays over 20 yards. I'm going to say this before we go on to the other guys. Is it possible that with the 17th game that the Rams actually have two 1,000-yard receivers? I think so. Van Jefferson, 14 receptions, 242 yards, 17.3 yards per catch, two touchdowns, and four explosive plays for him. Deshaun Jackson, who we've talked about already, seven receptions, 215 yards, 30.7 yards per catch, one touchdown, three explosive plays. Just shows that he gets them down the field, even if it's not a touchdown. Tyler Higby, who stepped it up slightly this year. I mean, a lot of people factored, you know, those receivers in the past, and he really wasn't a huge part of their passing game, let's just say like Gronk in Tampa Bay. But Tyler Higby, 17 receptions, 166 yards, two touchdowns, and one explosive play. Same thing can be said with one explosive play for Daryl Henderson. So all around a good receiving core. And once again, this isn't a group of guys, oh, it's Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Because we all know that these guys are Putting up more stats. They have more production this year than those two. And that's saying something. Once again, a lot of people said, oh, the Rams, you know, they're not a Chiefs team. They're not a Packers team. Well, they're showing it right now, and the Chiefs don't look that good. In terms of their O-line, I didn't gather any stats, but once again, four sacks given up in five games. That's pretty fucking good. Andrew Whitworth... David Edwards, Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, and Rob Havenstein. Now, let's take a look at their top cornerback, one of their top defensive players, Jalen Ramsey. To start the year, he has one interception. He allowed, so far, a total of 23 completions on 40 targets. That's a 57.5 completion percentage. One touchdown, 218 yards, a passer rating of 70.6. And he allows 9.5 yards per completion, 5.5 yards per target. You move on to their next defensive player. And Jalen Ramsey, obviously, I mentioned before, he's been in the slot a couple of times. He's been moving. It's not like he's some stationary outside corner. He's been moving. So there's a chance that Tony faces him. There's a chance that he faces Shepard. He faces Slayton. He may even face John Ross, for all we know. 
But in terms of Aaron Donald, eight quarterback hits on the year so far as well. Three sacks, 15 pressures, and a total of 24 tackles. Yeah, this man is one of the best, if not the best, defensive player year after year in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I have to say. Very impactful. And the Giants, in the past, have had a history of not letting him wreck games. I mean, he's had tackles for losses and half a sack, maybe. But it wasn't him that wrecked the game against the Giants last year. It was a couple of other guys on that team. There was Leonard Floyd, I believe Joseph Day got in a few times. And I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't have the greatest amount of impact like Aaron Donald should against the Giants. But we'll see what happens this weekend. It could definitely change. Hopefully they don't start or even play Wes Martin because he gave up four sacks in his last appearance against Aaron Donald in Washington. And that was with Alex Smith at quarterback. So, yeah. With that being said, for the rest of the defense, and by the way, Aaron Donald has a total of five tackles for a loss. Leonard Floyd, a total of 23 tackles on year Three sacks, four tackles for a loss. Also, Aaron Donald has a forced fumble. Then Justin Hollins, two sacks, 12 tackles, and one tackles for one tackle for a loss. Sebastian Joseph Day, who I mentioned a couple of times, two sacks, 30 tackles, and two tackles for a loss. Terrell Lewis, who I mentioned earlier, once again, 12 tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for a loss. Kenny Young, one sack, 34 tackles, and four tackles for a loss. And half a sack for Taylor Rapp and Greg Gaines. Rapp with 36 tackles and no tackles for a loss. Greg Gaines, uh, I don't know if I mixed them up just now, but Greg Gaines, 10 tackles, half a sack, one tackle for a loss. Taylor Rapp, 36 tackles, half a sack, no tackles for a loss. So just because I mentioned Taylor Rapp doesn't mean that he can not be taken advantage of. He most certainly can. I've read reports. I've read blogs. I've watched some videos. Taylor Rapp can definitely be taken advantage of. Same thing with Kenny Young. He's a hot and cold linebacker. Same thing with Troy Reader. Uh, He's had some good games this year. He has two picks, but he's stepped it up a little bit, but not at the level that the Rams want on their defense. Now you take a look at their other two corners. David Long and Robert Rochelle. When I tell you guys the stats of David Long, you probably think, oh, well, it's not too bad for a number two corner, but it's something that it can definitely be taken advantage of. Not that their stats are horrible, at least for David Long. Robert Rochelle is not good, uh, at least. I think he got extended action in the Seahawks game. But with that being said, let's move to David Long. He started four games so far this year, probably one of them due to the fact or actually one of them not starting due to the fact that Darius Williams was the starting second corner on day one. But he's played in all five games this year. He's allowed 13 completions on 20 targets, 65% completion percentage, 171 yards. He's a chunk play cornerback. He allows the chunk play, 13.2 yards per completion allowed, 8.6 yards per target, one touchdown, and an 87.7 passer rating. So... Not too bad, not excruciating, but he could be better. Once again, something to definitely take advantage of. Then you look at Robert Rochelle. I believe he came out of Louisville or somewhere in that bunch of states. Kentucky, Louisville, something like that. But he started one game in the past five games. He played four, allowed five completions on seven targets, 71.4 completion percentage, allowed 56 yards, 11.2 Yards per completion, 8 yards 
allowed per target, one touchdown and a 134.5 passer rating. So not good for Rochelle. He started one game. He's only allowed a handful of targets, which is not really something to judge totally on. Oh, he's going to be a bad corner in the NFL. He's going to be a good corner. It's not really something to bake a cake on. It's not a foundation to make points on yet, but he could definitely be taken advantage of in this game. If the Giants line up with three wide receivers or four wide receivers, you definitely will be seeing Robert Rochelle. That's not something that's out of the question. So let's actually go to the questions to answer. Will Daniel Jones be at 100% health? A lot of people, and this is going back to the discussion we had earlier in the podcast episode, a lot of people are scared. Not for the fact, oh, Daniel Jones, you know, he was limping and he was woozy getting up from the concussion. But the fact that last year Joe Judge played him on one healthy leg, that wasn't a smart move by Joe Judge. We all know that. But if it was a hamstring injury and we didn't know, we would have our criticisms and our questions. However, doctors have cleared him. An independent doctor cleared him. So I think he's going to be at 100% health. Maybe they're a little little bit more cautious with him because Aaron Donald is playing He-Rex games. Sebastian Joseph Day and Leonard Floyd can get in there. And maybe they don't give him the ball more often, or I should say they don't give them the ball as much, just like on a naked boot or a read option. Maybe they don't do that. Maybe they find a way in the running game or use Kadarius Toney on screens. There are alternative ways to use guys in the passing game to substitute for the run game. And I don't think the running game is going to be as much as it was in the past games, even though the running game really hasn't been anything this season. So it's going to be Devontae Booker, Eli Penny, and if anything, at Gary Brightwell. So um, number two, will Kadarius Toney or Sterling Shepard be the wide receiver one? Kadarius Toney, after Galladay exited and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton were not on the field, Kadarius Tony was the number one wide receiver. Colin Johnson got in there as well as CJ Board and John Ross, but Kadarius Tony was the number one wide receiver even before garbage time. When the Giants were within like a score, two scores, he was the number one wide receiver. He had 10 receptions for 189 yards. So I think at this point, the Giants cannot restrict Kadarius Tony. There was a quote earlier on Friday that he's gained the coach's trust to use him more. I don't understand why he didn't fully get, or I should say to some standard, why he didn't get a lot of snaps week one, but I guess it was because of the COVID thing and all these other things. But I expect Kadarius Tony to be the number one. I think being the number two will be Sterling Shepard or possibly Darius Slayton overtake Sterling Shepard as the number two in this game. Not saying by design, but I just feel like Darius Slayton's going to be the number two target for Daniel Jones, knowing they have chemistry, and Kadarius Tony's been the number one guy the past game, and then and for the fact that he's getting more involved and stuff like that, you guys know what I'm talking about. So number three, who gets more carries? Eli Penny or Gary Brightwell? I really don't like the fact that they're running outside with a fullback unless it would be, you know, as a running back run with Eli Penny blocking. But I think it's going to be Eli Penny. Gary Brightwell, 
He's used on special teams, and that's okay, but you need a north-south runner. I don't know that Booker's all that all the way. I don't know why they're using Eli Penny going to the outside on runs, but use Brightwell. Don't make him seem like a sixth-round miss, and I understand a lot of these picks, you know, in the sixth round and the fifth round and the seventh round, they're not all makes they're not all solid picks but Gary Brightwell is a running back his position is not special teams it's running back so give him some snaps and then move forward with your day rely on the passing game for the most part which reminds me which reminds me in terms of pass rate which I forgot to mention during the offensive stats stuff like that but we still have time to bring it up the Giants are 12th in pass rate 61.41 percent and the Rams are 18th in pass rate, 57.8 in the National Football League. So even with a not-so-productive run game, they still pass the ball and run the ball at a somewhat even amount. And the Giants, obviously, we know Saquon Barkley and more of Devontae Booker. They're going to pass the ball more. And I understand it's a passing league. It's not a running league. But you still have to factor in both. You know, you don't want to totally abandon the running game or else you're Offense is going to be one-dimensional, and the defense will absolutely figure it out in no time. But number four, does Andrew Thomas play, and is there a switch left tackle and right tackle? So there were reports coming out Friday and Thursday as well that Matt Parrott was taking snaps at left tackle, Nate Solder at right tackle, and that Andrew Thomas was limited. I don't know if Thomas is going to play. I'm not totally confident in that. Maybe they wait for the Panthers game when they get you know a couple other guys back possibly I don't think it's going to be Saquon playing against the Panthers Kenny Galladay might not even play against the Panthers but my point here is that that kind of shows that they're prepping for Nate Soldier to be back at right tackle now I'm not going to make any decisions or I'm not going to make any guesses but they're probably playing parrot left tackle just say okay you're going to sub for him Andrew Thomas is limited and I would prefer Matt Parrott at left tackle over Nate Solder. Personally, me, because Matt Parrott played against Chase Young and a couple other rushers in the Washington game last year at left tackle to start. But I don't know if Thomas is playing. I don't have much confidence, but I don't think there's going to be a switch. I think if they don't have Thomas ready, if he's not going to be active, I think it's going to be left tackle Solder like last week and right tackle Matt Parrott. And number five, can the O-line contain Aaron Donald, avoid big games in terms of guys wrecking the game from Sebastian, Joseph Day, and Leonard Floyd? Last year, they may, in my opinion, they may have focused on Aaron Donald too much. And I understand, you know, that phrase seems a little bit stupid, but Leonard Floyd got to Daniel Jones a couple of times. The O-line gave up six sacks. So it had to be someone other than Donald. Donald only got half a sack. Pressures and tackles for a loss, you guys can go look at the stat sheet from last year. But just because you're focusing on Donald doesn't mean the other factors are not coming to play. Terrell Lewis will play. Uh, Leonard Floyd's going to come to play. Sebastian Joseph Day is coming to play. So it's not like, oh, you know, they're not going to show up because they're not as good as Donald. That's stupid. Focus on all of them. The O-line has been better than most people thought. 
but it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean that Aaron Donald will not try to wreck the game because, trust me, these guards and tackles can be taken advantage of. For the defensive side of the ball, number one, Adoree Jackson or James Bradbury on Cooper Cup. I think they're going to put James Bradbury on Cooper Cup. However, they may do some rotating. And with that being said, I think, in my personal opinion, that Adoree Jackson should be playing on Cooper Cup. Because James Bradbury, he's been burnt toast the past five games. Adoree Jackson, he's had some good games. He's had some bad games. But Adoree Jackson has been the best corner that the Giants have. And with that being said, James Bradbury has been the polar opposite of what he was last year. And it's not like, oh, he's still good, but he's not Pro Bowl type cornerback. No, he's just been burnt toast all year. He's been bad. He's been terrible. So... Number two, who will play cornerback three? Will it be Julian Love, Darnay Holmes, or Xavier McKinney? I don't know that they like Darnay Holmes. I don't know that they do. Last year, they were pretty much forced to play him a lot because they had a bunch of rotating second cornerbacks, Isaac Yadam, Ryan Lewis, Corey Ballantyne. There were a couple of cornerbacks in there playing in the cornerback two spot, and Darnay Holmes was in the slot. But... With a threat like Deshaun Jackson, maybe moving Woods to the slot, or maybe moving Van Jefferson to the slot, they're going to need as much help as they can get. Darnay Holmes, it seems like so far he has not impressed the coaching staff and the limited snaps he's gotten, and that they're phasing him out and favoring more of Xavier McKinney, Radarius Williams, and Julian Love because they can play man coverage with them. They can't play man coverage with Darnay Holmes. So, I think it is possible that they do play Julian Love in the slot. Or just cornerback three overall because Peppers is back. And they don't have to worry about putting sa- uh, Julian Love at safety or the deep safety. So, I think it's going to be Julian Love at corner three now that Darius Williams is on IR with an ACL injury. Number three, will the Giants disregard Deshaun Jackson? I think it's a possibility. I think it's a possibility... Um, I'm not trying to call the Giants coaching staff stupid, but it seems just seems like like what I was talking about earlier about the Sebastian Joseph Day and Leonard Floyd. They're going to focus, in my personal opinion, on two guys, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Meanwhile, Deshaun Jackson may run free on one play, touchdown Rams. So it's possible. I think it could happen. He Maybe he has one or two good plays in terms of going deep. But it's going to be interesting to see who covers him. Is it going to be a Dory? Is it going to be Bradbury with safety help? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Number four, can the pass rush get to Stafford? Only sacked four times in three games. Actually, it's not three games. It's five games. I don't know why I'm thinking it's week four. But I don't think they will get there. That offensive line has allowed four sacks in five games. And this pass rush cannot get there at all. They cannot get there at all. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari, Lorenzo Carter, and O'Shane Zimenez being non-existent. They're not putting Carter Coughlin in there on blitzes. And the problem with this game is that if Patrick Graham tries to blitz, more than likely Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson will be open at some part of the field. And then it's a catch, first down, and they cannot convert on third down. It'll be the same old story as the past couple of weeks, too. So that is the answer to number four, in my personal opinion. I don't think they'll get there. Number five, will Sony Michelle 
or Daryl Henderson or both have a big game. I think it's possible. I don't think they will. They might break off into a few good runs. I think the Giants will allow over 100 rushing yards, period. But I don't think Sony Michelle or Daryl Henderson will have over 100 yards individually. So that's what I think on that. All right, so keys to the game. Keys to win. Number one, I'm not saying forget about everybody else on the defense, but you got to neutralize Aaron Donald. You have to neutralize him. You don't neutralize him. He's getting in the backfield within two seconds. And Daniel Jones will be standing there like this, trying to escape the pocket, or he will just take the sack. And I don't know that he's going to be the same mentally right off the bat. Because I brought up earlier talking about they may move away from running with him because the naked boot in Dallas. And they probably don't want to put him in such a position again, at least right now. So it is very important that they try to neutralize Aaron Donald. I don't think Daniel Jones, in my personal opinion, once again, like I just said, will be 100% mentally right away because he got a concussion. And I'm not saying anything is like mentally wrong with him, no. But I just feel like he's going to have the worry, am I going to get concussed again? But neutralize Aaron Donald is key number one. Key number two, contain the passing game. You're not going to stop it. You have to contain it. You can't be having guys wide open in the middle of the field, Deshaun Jackson wide open deep downfield. You can't be having those types of plays. And I'm not saying they run post routes every time it's, Daggers over the middle, it's crossing routes, it's stuff like that. It's not just, oh, post routes and vertical routes. It's not just that. Uh, Dig routes and curl routes. Well, actually, no, not curl routes, but crossing routes count as explosive plays downfield too if there's yards after catch involved. And even if it's a deep dig route, like 20 yards, 30 yards down the field, and they get open. And they find a crease in that defense. So, contain the passing game, Robert Woods... Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson. Don't forget about any of those guys. Because we all know the Giants like to give yards to players that aren't necessarily factors for the specific opponent in the past. Let's just say uh, Tyler Higby, for example. Let's just say he has a game. He hasn't really been much of a factor in the passing game for the Los Angeles Rams this year or in prior years. Number three, you have to stay away from Jalen Ramsey. And if you throw at Jalen Ramsey, you better complete the passes because he is very physical. And if you want to stay away from Ramsey, you want to stay away from him being one of the best cornerbacks in football, you have to use the passing attack on other cornerbacks. Jalen Ramsey moves. Moves the slot, moves the outside, moves the other boundary spot. So he's going to be moving everywhere all game. It's the Giants' job as a team, as an offense, to game plan against Jalen Ramsey, but also attack David Long and Robert Rochelle. Because there's not going to be such a thing where the Giants only deal with two wide receivers on the field. Not always. They may do a max protect to protect Daniel Jones, and that does take away routes from tight ends and other players on the field, but there's not going to be... All the time where, oh my god, they just have two wide receivers. No, it's going to be probably three to four. And their linebackers are not that good at covering. So once again, use the weakness on their defense to your advantage. And if you don't do that, well, you're not going to score points. You have to execute in the red zone too. 
which is something that the Giants have not been able to do, and I don't even know if they get into the red zone. But we'll see. My prediction for this game, I think this is possibly the defense's best game for the Los Angeles Rams. I have them winning 34-10. to They played Seattle last week. They did give up one touchdown to Geno Smith. However, it's not that Daniel Jones, in my opinion, won't be the same mentally in terms of taking risks. But I just think that the offensive line may not have a good game if Andrew Thomas is not out there. If he's out there, then I think he'll handle Leonard Floyd and all these other guys nicely. However, if he's not out there, and even if he is out there, the interior, in my opinion, will struggle against Aaron Donald. Because, in my opinion, he could easily get through Matt Skur and Billy Price. Probably better for him if he just faces Billy Price. So we'll see what happens. But prediction, 34-10 to 10 Rams. If you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. Boys and Big Apple, 8-10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Podcast, Big Blue in the Bronx, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Tuesdays and Saturdays. It's a weird schedule. But I don't want to miss anything with the injury report and all these other things. I want to stay up to date. That way nothing changes and I don't have to add anything to the podcast episode afterwards or include something in the premiere. But please subscribe. Help us out the algorithm on the channel. More people to engage with and better content constantly. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. And hopefully the Giants get a win for the commemoration of the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl team from 2011, Super Bowl 46. However, I don't think it's going to happen. But once again, Giants could upset like they did against the Saints and the Seahawks last year. But most of all, guys, peace out. See you later. Stay cool.